The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about 10 miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 8 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. One of the primary attributes of God is his omniscience. That is, the fact that he knows everything. He knows everything that's ever happened and everything that ever will happen. There's many uncertainties of life as far as we're concerned. There's a lot we don't know about what's going on in the world around us. There's a lot we don't know even about ourselves. In this message, which was preached back in February of 2021, we look at the omniscience of God and see that His omniscience ought to give us encouragement in the uncertainties of life. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
me this morning to Psalm 139. Psalm 139. And we're going to read just a few verses to begin with. Psalm 139, verse 1. O Lord, Thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down-sitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. Now, I want to stop reading right there, but Lord willing, we'll continue through this psalm and this message. But the topic that's on my mind this morning is the omniscience of God. The omniscience of God. That is, the all-knowingness of God. Now, I've tried to preach on this in the past. In fact, I tried to preach on it to the Las Vegas folks last week. But it's a topic that cannot be exhausted. And, and in fact, it's a subject that it will be impossible for us here this morning to fully understand. There's a quote that I've used before that I like by John Wesley, who was the founder of the Methodist Church. He said this, Bring me a worm that can comprehend a man, and then I will show you a man that can comprehend God. That's a pretty good comparison, isn't it? Because we're called worms in the sight of God sometimes uh, in, in a couple of places in the scripture. And, and the idea that a worm can comprehend a man is as foolish as the idea that a man can comprehend a God who is so high above us, even as we are the worms of the dust. But we're commanded to try. We're commanded to know him better. So this morning, I want to try to talk about some things about God maybe starting off with the general proposition that God is all-knowing, and then hopefully if we can finish it this morning, we'll try to narrow it on down to right where we live every day. So let's, let's jump in here if we can. Now, first of all, the Scripture's clear that God knows all things. God knows all things. Now, there's some implications from that that are kind of mind-blowing. Think about this. God knows nothing better than anything else because he knows everything equally well. Okay? He, God cannot be an expert in anything because he's an expert in everything. Think about how we, I think about it from legal terms. We call people as expert witnesses from time to time. That can be a scientist who's performed an experiment, or it can be, it can be a, a, a farmer who knows how to build a fence. Uh, that's actually a, 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 an example that has been used this before is where a fence, uh, the building of a fence was at issue in a lawsuit, and, and a farmer who knows how to build a fence can be an expert in that because the jurors may not know uh, any of the details of that. So God is an expert in everything, so he can't be an expert specialist, if you will, in anything, because <laughs> he specializes in all. God cannot discover anything 
because he already knows everything. God can't, God has, you know, God has never had an aha moment. Think about that. And you've had them, I've had them where, oh, I get that now. There was a man named Archimedes who was a, a mathematician in ancient Greece who went to the Greek baths in Athens and, and he'd been trying to work out a, uh, a math problem in his head. And uh, while he was in those baths, it came to him and he was so excited about it, he forgot to put his clothes back on and he began running through the street shouting, Eureka, Eureka. And that's translated, I have seen it, I have seen it. God has never had a Eureka moment. Because God knows everything. Now, he's asked questions in the Bible, hadn't he? Yes, he has. But when God asks a question, it's not to discover information, but to impart it. One of the first questions we read about in the Word of God is when Adam committed that sin in the garden. And third chapter of Genesis, he goes to hide in the, in the trees there as God comes walking in the Garden of Eden in the cool of the day, and God asked the question, Adam, where art thou? Now, it wasn't because God didn't know where Adam was, but it was because Adam needed to know where he was. <laughs> when God asks a question, he's not trying to find out information. He's imparting it in some way. We've seen in our Gospel of Mark series that we're in the middle of where they're questioning Jesus. And he usually turns it right back on them and asks them a question. But it's not in order for Jesus to be educated. It's in order to educate them. God knows all things, okay? <clears throat> now, now let's, let's break it down a little bit. Let's think about this. God knows all things, and that means he knows all things that have ever been. He knows all things that have ever been. He doesn't forget anything. He doesn't have trouble recalling anything. He doesn't mix anything up. Kind of, maybe you young folks don't get this, but it kind of sounds different from me. <laughs> Sherry and I have been married 29 years. And, I, you know, we generally agree on how it was that we got together and started dating. But if you go to ask details... She may remember it one way, and I remember it another way. You know, I remember she chased me till she caught me. Well, no, I'm just kidding. That's, that might, be a, that not, might not be exactly true, so I don't need to preach that. So I'm kidding about that. <clears throat> but we, we might have differing details. We, we were talking about something. I, I can't remember now what we were talking about. <laughs> we were talking about something the other night, and, and I said, didn't this happen? She said, well, I thought it was this, and... I can't remember. God doesn't forget anything. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't have to search his memory. He doesn't ever say it's right on the tip of my tongue. Okay? Look, look with me just to look at some scriptures to back some of these things up. I don't ever want it to just be my statements that, that you rely on. We need to rely on what scripture says. Look over in Isaiah chapter 41. I don't want to go in too much here because we don't have time this morning, but I, don't want to, I do need to lay a little groundwork. Um, so God is, is 
basically taking Israel to task for worshiping idols. And, and various time, at various times in the, in the book of Isaiah, he sort of, it's almost like he, he makes fun of the idols. Okay, he kind of, and, and he compares what the idol can do, the idol of wood or stone can do, to what he can do. And, and so in verse 19, we're kind of jumping in the middle of one of those episodes. And he says, I will plant in the wilderness the cedar, the shittah tree, and the myrtle, and the oil tree. And I will set the de- in the desert the fir tree and the pine and the box tree together. Now, he's, he's saying these idols are made of these pieces of wood, the wood from these trees. And he's sort of talking about this. He said that they may see and know and consider and understand together that the hand of the Lord hath done this and the Holy One of Israel hath created it. And, and now here he goes, he says, okay, produce your cause, saith the Lord. In other words, argue your case. Bring forth your strong reason, saith the king of Jacob. You're going you're to be worshiping these idols of wood and stone. Let them argue their case before me. And, and this is See, this is what a God, this is what God himself will do, he's about to tell us. And if they're really gods, they'll do this too. He says, let them, verse 22, let them bring forth and show us what will happen. Let them show the former things, what they be, that we may consider them and know the latter end of them or declare us things for to come. Show the things that are to come hereafter that we may know that ye are gods. Speaking of these gods of silver and gold and idols of of wood. Yea, do good or do evil that we may be dismayed and behold it together. In other words, if you really were a god, then you would be able to show us what shall happen. You would be able to tell us what, what has happened. And you'll be able to make predictions that will come true. And and he says in verse 24, Behold, ye are of nothing, your work of naught. An abomination is he that chooseth you. And see what he's doing there is he's he's basically taunting these (laughs) non-gods, these idols, and saying, you're not gods because you can't do this. And the implication is, is that I am God because I can do this. I do know all things that has ever been. You see, there has never been and never will be a time when anything was unknown to God. He knows all things past as if they were now present. And, and really, there's nothing past or present in his knowledge. You know, in one place he says he would put our tears in his bottle. Our tears will be put in his bottle. In Malachi, he talks about a book of remembrance being written about those who gather in the name of the Lord. That is, there's a perpetual presence of the things that are past before God. He knows all things that have ever been. And he knows all things that are now. He knows all things that are now. Over in Hebrews chapter 4, one of my favorite statements about the omniscience of God is found here. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse... Well, verse 12 talks about the Word of God being quick and powerful. And that's not the, that's not the written Word. That's the living Word of God. 
And it's talking about how it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces to the dividing of sunder of soul and spirit of the joints and marrow. And is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. I'll come back to that hopefully in a minute, if not with this verse, with another one. But he knows what you're thinking and he knows what you're planning to do. Before you plan to do it, he knows it. <laughs> and now look at verse 13. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened under the eyes of him with whom we have to do. There's a lot of things I can hide from y'all. There's a lot of things I can hide from my family, but there's nothing I can hide from God. All things that are now, listen, Job says in chapter 34 and verse 21, his eyes are upon the ways of man and he seeth all his goings. What a God. <laughs> we can't run from him. We can't hide from him because he sees everything. He knows all things that are now. And then he knows, he also knows all things that will ever be. Back over in the book of Isaiah, the 46th chapter, in verse 9, it's a very familiar passage probably to most of you who believe in the sovereignty of God. And listen to what it says. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me. Boy, that's a lot to preach on right there, but... My point is coming up in verse 10. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done saying my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Boy, there's a lot in this, but I don't want to go too deep into it because I got a, long, a lot of ground I want to cover this morning. But let me just say this. He couldn't declare the end from the beginning if he didn't know the end from the beginning. <laughs> You see, now, now this is not an absolute predestination verse, by the way. God didn't predestinate the end from the beginning. He declared it. He is aware of it. He knows it. And he set the bounds from which it will not go any further. He didn't cause all things to happen that occur therein. But see, he knows all things that ever will be. In Psalm 147. In verse 5, there's so many things here, but we'll come back to it later. Psalm 147 and verse 5, great is our Lord and of great power. Certainly he is omnipotent, but is he omniscient? Does he know everything? Well, according to this psalmist, his understanding is infinite. Now, you're probably like me. You've got some areas of knowledge that you've got a pretty deep understanding of, you know, Brother Glendon's got a lot of knowledge about mechanic work, you know, and, um, you know, we got others. My daddy was one of the best. He had a lot of knowledge about growing chickens and farming. Uh, Brother Mackey knows how to run a business over in Tuscaloosa. Uh, he knows tires. But my knowledge of certain things is not infinite. It's finite. I am limited. My knowledge is finite. But God's knowledge is infinite. His understanding is infinite. He knows all things that will ever be. Now, I'm fixing to blow your mind on this next one. And I don't want to get too far afield. Don't, don't worry over it too much because you can get off into philosophizing over this. But not only does God know all things that have ever been, 
And not only does he know all things that are now, and not only does he know all things that ever will be, God knows all things that never will be. <laughs> that sounds, wait a minute, what are you talking about, Brother Chris? Well, see, God, God is the God. We don't believe in the absolute predestination of all things. You know why we don't believe that? Because the Bible doesn't teach it. And if we did believe that, that would be making God the author of sin. God would be the one who caused Adam. In fact, the true Calvinist believes that God ordained for Adam to sin so that God could then uh, send his son to, to overcome that. And so everything that happens is ordained or purposed by God. God is not that God. The Bible is, does not teach that God. A lot of the things that happen to us, most of the things that happen to us are a result of the fact that we live in a sin-cursed world. It's a result of the fact that we make bad choices or that other people make bad choices, okay? But our God, see, doesn't, uh, I don't even, let me say it this way. God doesn't need to predestinate things in order for, to have his will be done in this world. He's, he's so much greater than we are, you know, that he doesn't have to resort to predestination, which only applies to his people, by the way. See, God is the God of all possible outcomes, all possibilities in the daily walks of our life. And we see that in a couple of places. One, and you don't have to turn there, but sometime when you get a chance, look in Matthew chapter 11, about verses 20 and 21. He says, Woe unto thee, Tyre, uh, woe unto thee, uh, uh, Judah and Bethlehem. And he call, he's talking to, I'm sorry, to Jerusalem. Woe unto thee, Jerusalem. He said, If the great things that were done here were done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented in sackcloth and ashes. Now, I just believe the Lord's always telling the truth. He knows that had the things that had happened here happened there, there would have been repentance. He knows how those things would have been an outcome. Sometime when you get a chance, go back and read 1 Samuel chapter 23. That's the story of David down there at Keilah, a city, while he's running from Saul. And, and David goes to uh, the priest. And he says, I need you to ask of the Lord for me uh, a couple of questions. One question is, is Saul coming here to find me? The second question is, will the men of this city deliver me up to Saul? And the answer to both of those questions was yes. Saul's coming, and they're going to deliver you up. Well, if he's a fatalist, that's where David just sits down in the road and says, well, I'll just wait, you know, there's nothing for me to do. But David got himself up and his men, and he left. And you see, God knew that as well. God is a God of all possible outcomes. And I just, I just want you to understand how infinite that is. I can't even get my mind wrapped around that. And I don't want to spend too much time on it because I don't want you sitting here thinking the rest of the message about that. <laughs> but, but that's amazing, is it not, that God, God knows all things that never will happen. <laughs> He's the God of all possible outcomes. Okay, let's talk about something else that God's omniscience covers. Have you ever had anybody question you and say something, maybe, maybe somebody's trying to help you grow or learn or mature and say, son or daughter, you need to get to know yourself a little bit better. You ever had that? Have you ever had that feeling? I've, I've had that feeling where I feel like, man, I just, it's, I just don't even know myself. 
myself. Sometimes I surprise myself. Occasionally in a good way, most of the time in a bad way. You know, I, and I, I find out things about me. I, I, I start searching my soul and I realize there's something down in the dark recesses of my depraved heart that you wouldn't like and that I don't like and that God hates uh, and that I am, I am sin sick and there's things I don't even want to think about and about myself. But did you know that God in his omniscience knows himself completely? He knows himself completely. Think about that. No one else knows God like he knows himself. Think about, as I said, we don't even know our own selves. And think about how, how little we know about God. Romans 11.33, we sing a song about it. It tells us, oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. See, the limited amount we can know about God it's so limited, it's so little, uh, even though he's graciously given us some insight into his own nature through his word. Even the devil has limited knowledge of God. See, I don't believe the devil knew exactly what was going to happen at Calvary. I think the devil was taken aback by that. And he certainly doesn't know God, but God completely understands himself. There's no dark recesses of the divine nature somewhere with a lockbox in his heart containing information that he doesn't know about himself. God cannot learn anything because he already knows everything. He cannot learn anything about himself because he already knows everything about himself and his own divine nature. You cannot teach God because God needs no instructor. Look at Isaiah chapter 40, uh, chapter 40, and begin reading in verse 13. Isaiah 40 and 13. Who hath directed the Spirit of the Lord, or being his counselor, hath taught him? With whom took he counsel, and who instructed him, and taught him in the path of judgment, and taught him knowledge, and showed to him the way of understanding? God has no therapist. God has no psychologist or psychiatrist to help him discover more about himself. God knows all about himself. He has no teacher. He has no one to help him grow and mature and learn more and more about himself because he already knows himself completely. God knows himself. Another thing about the omniscience of God is that God knows his creation. God knows his creation. You know, I've made a few things in my life, not very many. I made a few things from scratch. And those things I made, I knew all about, or mostly about. I knew more about them than other things that were given to me. They meant more to me than things that I didn't have to work for, I didn't have to create. But God knows his creation. We're told in Proverbs 15, 3, that he sees everything. It says, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. That's both the evil man and the good man, and it's also the evil that's done and the good that's done, which includes evil and good that we do. Listen to this, and I'm going to run through these pretty quickly. You can turn there if you want, but, but I, just, I wrote these down. I just wanted to, to, to sort of tick them off. So we can see how great God is. See, God knows his creation. 
He knows all the stars. Psalm 147 and verses 4 and 5 says, He telleth, which is a, an accounting term, He telleth the number of the stars. He calleth them all by their names. You know, I read occasionally on, in newspapers or on internet news where some new star has been discovered. And they've named a new star after some man who discovered that star. I always thought it would be neat to discover a star. But God already knows about that star. And in fact, there's a name for that star that only God knows because he knows the names of all the stars. <laughs> he calleth them all by their names. I think I've mentioned this here before. But according to Psalm chapter 50 and verse 11, he knows all the birds. Now, you know, I love the wildlife that's out there, deer, squirrels, and all that. But, you know, if you just look around you, there's a lot of wildlife, there's a lot of deer, there's a lot of squirrels, a lot of coyotes, and all, but there are millions of birds, millions of birds. But Psalm 50 and verse 11 said, I know all the fowls of the mountains, the ones that we know about, the ones that have not been discovered yet, the ones that are extinct or we think are extinct, God knows each and every one of them. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismccool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.